Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. What's up, Janesville? Pastor Kellen, thanks for the opportunity to share with you guys this morning. Today, I want to talk to you guys about breakthrough joy. Somebody say joy. That word joy in the Greek, when the angel Gabriel shows up to the shepherds in the fields the night Jesus was born and said in Luke 2.10, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. That word joy is the word chara, which means delight or gladness. So when we today in 2020 think about Christmas, what words come to mind to describe this particular holiday? Peace, love, goodwill, gift giving. Well, with all those thoughts and words in mind, I want to make sure you guys are clear on the pulse, the origin of Christmas. You see, the very first Christmas in the Bible days was all but jolly. It wasn't a joyful, happy, festive time. Understand, the Jewish people were under intense persecution from the Roman government. Though they had their, <coughs> their own government hierarchy, they still had to submit to the Roman king, Augustus Caesar. Then the Jewish people themselves had a maniac as a king in Herod the first. This dude was so crazy and paranoid that he had his wife's brother, Eratobolus, the high priest, drowned in the swimming pool in his palace. He killed his mother-in-law. He also had his wife murdered along with two of their sons as he considered them potential rivals with legitimate claim to the throne because of his wife's royal lineage prior to them getting married. Do you need any more convincing? Cray, cray. A little more that you need to know about Herod. Herod the first came to be known as Herod the Great. And watch this, he had also become known as the king of the Jews when he took the throne in 37 BC, four years before Jesus was born. Are y'all seeing this? So when the wise men show up in Jerusalem in Matthew 2, 2 and 3, saying to Herod, where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this as was everyone in Jerusalem. Let me say it like this. You ever dealt with a deeply disturbed, mentally challenged person and you accidentally slipped up on a trigger word and they hit you with one of these facial expressions? Right? As if to say, you better run quick because something crazy is about to happen. Listen, Herod was like, I'm the king of the Jews. If anybody's going to get worshipped around here, it's going to be me. So he says to the wise men in verse 8, um, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I too may go 
and worship him. Yeah, right. Y'all know what Herod was on, right? So when an angel warns the wise men not to go back to Herod, and Herod realizes that he's been outsmarted by the wise men, this maniac paranoid king orders the execution of every single male child in Jerusalem, two years old or younger, to coincide with the wise men's estimation of the birth and arrival of Jesus. Yeah, the first Christmas, the pulse of the world and events leading up to the birth of Jesus, wasn't a joyful, happy, festive time like what we see or know it to be today in our world. But also what I think is important to point out is not only the pulse of the first Christmas, but the purpose of the first Christmas. Look at Luke 1.26. It says there, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favorite woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call his name Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. I also like how it reads in Matthew 1:20, the second part of the verse where Gabriel is speaking to Joseph, Mary's fiance, in a dream, telling him about Mary's pregnancy by saying, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And I want to make sure we are all clear, everyone. Christmas exists because sin exists. We got to understand Jesus wasn't born because God wanted to add some flavor to the world and to be a part of creating excitement over food, fun, fellowship, and cool celebratory festivities. No, no, Christmas is Christmas because God was seeking once and for all to deal with mankind's number one problem, the problem of sin. If I can say it another way, it was here in this area of our sin where we as human beings needed to experience a breakthrough. It was here in this area of sin where we as human beings needed to experience the joy of knowing that there was a solution to our hopeless problem of sin. It's why I appreciate Luke's account of Jesus' birth and the miraculous nature of his arrival to earth. You say, why? Well, what do we know about Luke? Luke, of course, was a disciple of Jesus, a loyal and devoted follower of Christ, and the author of the book of Luke and the book of Acts in the Bible. But Luke's day job was he was a doctor. Now, as a doctor, typically you have the mindset of one 
that is logical, reasonable, scientific, rational, you know, a mindset of common sense, of a conservative, of a realistic nature. So for him to talk about a baby being born to a woman without the help of a man in 33 BC with no in vitro, no modern medical techniques is a big deal. Hey, I love how he says in Luke 1:26 that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. Looks like before Gabe the angel got there, no man had touched her and her womb was empty. Facts. Then, just to make sure we didn't miss it the first time, Luke says about Mary's response to the angel Gabriel telling her she's gonna have a baby, verse 34, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. You get it? Luke is like, just so we're clear, y'all do understand medically, this ain't how this happens. Children, you can ask your parents how it really happens after the broadcast today. But here's where the joy begins to seep in for Mary. Look at verse 35. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. By faith and belief in the messenger, the angel of God, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And everyone married is so overwhelmed by the favor and message of the God of the universe crafted just for her. The awe-inspiring interaction she had with Gabriel, the angel, not to mention the opportunity to carry the greatest gift the world has and will ever know, the savior of the world, Jesus, in her womb. She is so inspired that Mary makes up a song. Freestyle. It's in the Bible, no lie. And in this song, she highlights why her joy in the Lord has been made complete. Four thoughts that I want to give you quickly that Mary received in her heart that I pray also speaks to your hearts as well. First thought was, the Lord sees me. Verse 46 says, oh, my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And I don't know if I have anyone listening to me right now who you've ever felt unseen, unnoticed, invisible to the world, like you don't matter. Can I tell you that's a lie from the pit of hell. You matter to God. To him, you're special, significant, loved, valued, and coveted. Why in the world would a perfect savior 
surrender all and sacrifice his life on the cross for our sin for something or someone that wasn't valuable. I mean, that didn't even make sense, right? I just want to say, wherever you are, whatever your issue, I need you to know that your God in heaven sees you. Mary says, not only does the Lord see me, but he lifts me. Verse 51 says, his mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. Maybe you've been waiting for a while for him to lift you out of some stuff, but God's timing is perfect. And if you can just hold on to your faith, hold on to your hope, hold on to your trust in him, Jesus will pick you up out of your despair. He will place you in green pastures. He will exalt you. He will lift you up in due season if you don't give up. Mary said, the Lord sees me. He lifts me, but also he fills me. Verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things and he sent the rich away with empty hands. I wonder if anybody has ever been hungry for wisdom, Jesus will fill you. Anybody ever been hungry for love? Jesus will fill you. Anybody ever been hungry for edification to know that who you are and what you have to offer actually has a place in a bigger scheme of things? Can I tell you a secret? Jesus will fill you. One of Pastor Dave Clark's favorite scriptures, Psalm 103.5 says, he fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed. I just need somebody to know today, just like Mary, God sees you, he lifts you, he fills you. Finally, Mary says, he remembers me. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. I just need somebody to walk away from this message today encouraged because the Lord is not slack on his promises. I don't care how long it's been. I don't care how, how impatient you've gotten. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he a son of man that he needs to apologize for anything. His timing is always perfect. He's always on time. He's never missed a deadline and he's never forgotten an appointment. The Bible says he never sleeps or slumbers. How are you gonna forget about you? The one he values more than anything in the universe. Yeah, I'm talking about you, boo. I pray this Christmas, you walk around with renewed love. I pray you walk around with renewed hope that you would experience a breakthrough in your joy, not only because you now understand the purpose of Christmas, but also because you realize just like Mary, 
The Lord sees you, he lifts you, he fills you, and he remembers you right where you are. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this amazing season of Christmas. And thank you that not only do we understand the purpose of Christmas, Christmas exists because sin exists and you designed it to be born to deal with the major issue that separates us from you. But God, thank you that you did that, not just to eradicate sin, but so that we could be connected with you, so that we could be in relationship with you. God, thank you that in your eyes, we are special, we are significant, we are loved, and we are highly valued. Thank you, Lord, that you see us, you lift us, you fill us, and you remember us right where we are. Father, I pray that as we receive that lavish love from you, that we understand the gospel of what Christmas is and why Christmas came to be. God, that we can communicate that message to every single person connected with us and, per and people who need to quite honestly know who you are, that we would extend that love, that peace, that joy, that breakthrough joy, God, to everyone we meet. We love and thank you in Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.